I really wrestled with how to begin my sermon today. On Saturday, May 14th, a white 18-year-old gunman conducted a racist attack at a supermarket in Buffalo, New York, killing 10 people and injuring three others. The following day, on Sunday, May 15th, there was a shooting at Irvine Taiwanese Presbyterian Church in California. And then this past Tuesday, May 24th, 19 children and two adults were murdered at Uvalde Elementary School in Texas. North, west, south, a grocery store, a church, a school, all in 10 days. Part of me wanted to ignore the latest mass shootings and part of me feels like it's expected that I say something. Someone emailed me on Wednesday and asked if I was going to release a statement giving people hope and comfort. But there are no words of hope or comfort to be offered. Words are insufficient, inadequate, and pointless. As Jeremiah 31 verse 15 expresses, this is what the Lord says. A voice is heard in Ramah, mourning and great weeping, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. There are no words to ease the grief of the families and nothing can bring back their precious children and family members. That's why Job's friends sat with him in silence for a week after his children died because there are no words. Part of me doesn't want to think about or talk about what happened at all. I feel angry, disgusted, frustrated, and helpless that 10 years after the horror that took place in Newtown, Connecticut, these incidents keep happening. Depending on your politics, People have their talking points every time there is a mass shooting or a school shooting, which are occurring at an all-time record high. But whatever your politics, you can't ignore that of all the nations in the world, the United States is exceptional in that we are the only country that allows these mass shootings and school shootings to take place with regularity while doing nothing to stop them. Until we prioritize children and change our values, our behavior, and our laws to make murder more difficult, we are collectively saying we're okay with innocent children being gunned down in school on a regular basis. Something has to change. You can't be okay with this going on and on. And we can't accept it as inevitable. It's not inevitable. This only happens 
in America. Expressing thoughts and prayers while doing nothing to stop the carnage isn't going to accomplish anything either. Because God tells us through the prophet Isaiah that God doesn't listen to our prayers when our hands are full of blood. This is what God says in Isaiah chapter 1 in verses 15 through 17. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. When you offer many prayers, I am not listening. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. We all deserve to be safe in schools, in places of worship, in grocery stores, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in America. This cannot become normal. We cannot become numb. We cannot look the other way. We all know if nothing changes, nothing changes. God help us to do what is right in our own lives, beginning with showing greater kindness and empathy and courage to protect the innocent and to confront what needs to be confronted to prevent the suffering and pain caused by these mass shootings. Today, as we journey through the Bible, we're in the book of 2 Corinthians. And in 2 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul reveals that he's familiar with suffering and pain. He knew from experience that sometimes spiritual experiences even come at a personal cost. You think of the story of when Jacob wrestled with God in Genesis 32 and he hobbled away, limping for the rest of his life. And Paul shares with the church in Corinth how he had an experience of being caught up to paradise, but to keep him from being too puffed up or spiritually condescending, which was an issue for some people in that church. Paul says he was given a thorn in the flesh. And Paul calls this thorn a messenger of Satan to torment me. Listen to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at verse 8. Paul says, three times I appealed to the Lord about this, that it would leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. So I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, think about being able to say this. Therefore, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions and calamities for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, 
then I am strong. From time to time, I encounter people who mistakenly believe that if they have faith, they'll always be healthy and happy and have no problems and no struggles whatsoever, or that if someone prays and isn't healed, well, it's just because that person lacks faith. Well, this inaccurate thinking runs contrary to Paul's experience and the experience of many faithful Christians, including some of you and your loved ones. There's no doubt Paul had great faith. I mean, who besides Jesus in the New Testament had greater faith than Paul? And yet his repeated request for this thorn to be removed was not answered by it being removed. Now, it's difficult to ascertain exactly what that thorn was for Paul. A stake in the flesh was a common figure of speech at that time for excruciating physical pain. And the thorn could be a physical issue, and people have suggested everything from epilepsy to migraines to malaria to a speech impediment or a vision problem. We know that Paul, while able to withstand physical <laughs> hardships, such as being beaten and imprisoned and even survived a shipwreck, nevertheless, he wasn't exactly the picture of health. And we know from two passages in Galatians that he had a problem with his eyes. In Galatians chapter 4, beginning at verse 13, Paul writes, You know that it was because of a physical infirmity that I first announced the gospel to you. Though my condition put you to the test, you did not scorn or despise me. I testify that had it been possible, you would have torn out your own eyes and given them to me. And then in Galatians 6, verse 11, Paul writes a few words himself. He writes, see what large letters I make when I'm writing in my own hand. Sounds like he may have had a problem with his eyes. And regardless of what that thorn is, Paul's prayer wasn't answered by the thorn being removed. And that may be the case for some of you as well. You or a loved one has cancer or Alzheimer's or ALS or diabetes or heart trouble. And you pray and pray, but the condition isn't removed. You have an addiction, arthritis, allergies, chronic pain, even shrapnel in your body that you carry with you the rest of your life. There are other types of thorns besides the physical, and those may include chronic unemployment or underemployment or loneliness or depression or family, marital or other relational issues. The list is long because we all have thorns. Our thorns come in assorted sizes and shapes. Some seem to have more barbs than others. But we all have them. Now at this point, one of you may be thinking, well, if God isn't going to remove our thorns when we pray for that to happen, what's the use? What's the point? What's the use of praying? What's the use of God? Well, the answer to those questions begins by simply noting that it's correct. That Paul's prayer for the thorn to be removed was not answered. But Paul's prayer was answered. And the answer God gives is, my 
grace. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Now, I try not to get too much into grammar on Sunday mornings. But it's important to note that this phrase is in the perfect tense denoting finality. In other words, what the Lord said to Paul is not subject to change or revision. The perfect tense of the word indicates that Paul still heard the Lord saying to him, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. The Lord's promise is that whenever a thorn, whenever a messenger of Satan afflicts us, that the Lord will give us sufficient grace and strength to meet and to face what must be faced. If you pull back from Paul's life in 2 Corinthians to the New Testament as a whole, we discover or see that the power of God demonstrated in and through Jesus is, in fact, power in weakness. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 30, If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. Do you know any person who does that? Let me tell you how weak and inadequate I am. You hear that from people all the time, right? This is a whole new model for a macho. Let me tell you how weak I really am. Paul is asserting that God's grace is most easily noticed in the awareness of our weakness and need. Paul's ministry is marked by pain, by hardship and trials, and he only got through it all, through the power of God. He says in the passage that Greg read for us earlier from 2 Corinthians 4, but we have this treasure, meaning the gospel, in clay jars. And this is a photo I took uh, in the ruins of ancient Corinth in Greece. So you have this image. Of this is, that's a clay jar. We have this image in clay jars so that it may be clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God and does not come from us. Leave it up there for just a little longer. It's the surpassing power of God that enabled Paul's life and his ministry. And that same power of God is available to all of us as well, because like Paul, we are crackpots. That's you. That's you up there. We're all crackpots. We all have thorns. None of us is perfect. We all have things that are wrong with us. We're all inadequate in one way or another. And perhaps we're made this way so that we learn how to rely on God. And so we know we need one another. We need one another to be whole. You know, where human strength abounds, you can take that down now. Where human strength abounds, the effects of divine power can be overlooked or forgotten. Because we think, I did this on my own. I, I'm the one who did this. God didn't do it. It was all me. 
And that's why the Israelites were so warned so strongly in Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verses 18 and 19 about the temptation to pride and self-sufficiency, especially in times of prosperity, where the Lord says, do not say to yourself, my power and the might of my own hand has gotten me this wealth, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth. That's why the whole practice of tithing and giving proportionally to the Lord is a reminder that it's God's power that enables you to have whatever you have. And if you continue to put the Lord first, you'll see the Lord God act in ways that sustain and strengthen your faith. When Paul writes about God's power being made perfect in weakness, he doesn't mean, and he's not saying, (laughs) that he's timid, or lacking in resolve, weakness is his term for the frailties of human life and the adversities he faces specifically in living and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And what Paul discovered through his suffering is that the grace and power of God intersects with your life at the point of your weakness and need. So whatever is the greatest weakness and need in your life today, that's where you want to pray, God, I need your grace and strength to come into this particular situation to help me to face what must be faced and in many times to face what I cannot change. Your afflictions may draw you closer to Christ if you allow them to. And part of that means accepting that in this world there is evil, there is violence, there's injustice, there's inequality, and these must be struggled with and fought against even if they may not be fully overcome in your lifetime or mine. You may suffer from ill health or from a disease or from pain that neither intercession nor counseling nor medication is able to overcome. What are you to do in those situations of pain and suffering? What are you to do with these thorns? Well, you can pray that the Lord will deliver you as Paul prayed, and maybe God will deliver you as sometimes God does. But we're mindful that all instances of deliverance in this life are partial. Something is going to get us all, eventually. No matter how strong our faith, no matter how healthy your habits, no matter how much fiber you eat, something is going to get you eventually. So if God doesn't deliver us, then what do you do? What do you do? Well, it's too easy to allow those sufferings and thorns to eat away at our lives and our faith until we become embittered and just wallow in self-pity. And none of us want to end up there. Those of us who are in Christ are to allow our thorns to pin us closer to Christ. Allow your thorns to pin you closer to Christ, who gives grace to the suffering, 
God's power, Paul says, comes to full strength in our weakness and need. A closing story. While he was serving with Operation Mobilization in India in 1967, tuberculosis forced Doug Nichols into a sanitarium for several months. And he writes the following. He said, I did not yet speak the language, but I tried to give Christian literature written in the language to the patients, doctors, and nurses. Everyone politely refused. I sensed many weren't happy with a rich American, because to them, all Americans were rich, being in a free, government-run sanitarium. They didn't know I was just as broke as they were. The first few nights I woke around 2 a.m. <coughs> coughing. And one morning during my coughing, I noticed one of the older, sicker patients across the aisle trying to get out of bed. He would sit up on the edge of the bed and try to stand, but in his weakness he would fall back into the bed. I didn't understand what he was trying to do. He finally fell back into the bed exhausted. I heard him crying softly. The next morning I realized what the man had been trying to do. He had been trying to get up and walk to the bathroom. The stench in our ward was awful. Other patients yelled insults at the man. Angry nurses moved him roughly from side to side as they cleaned up the mess. One nurse even slapped him. And the old man curled up in a ball and wept. The next night, I again woke up coughing. I noticed the man across the aisle sit up again and try to stand. And like the night before, he fell back, whimpering. I don't like bad smells, and I didn't want to become involved. But I got out of bed and went over to him. And when I touched his shoulder, his eyes opened wide with fear. I smiled, and I put my arms under him, and I picked him up. He was very light due to his old age and advanced TB. I carried him to the washroom, which was just a filthy small room with a hole in the floor. And I stood behind him with my hands under his armpits as he took care of himself. And after he was finished, I picked him up and I carried him back to his bed. And as I laid him down, he kissed me on the cheek, smiled, and said something I couldn't understand. The next morning, another patient woke me up and handed me a steaming cup of hot tea. He motioned with his hands that he wanted one of my Christian tracks. And as the sun rose, other patients approached and indicated they wanted the booklets I had been trying to distribute before. And throughout the day, nurses, interns, and doctors all asked for literature. Weeks later, an evangelist who spoke the language visited me. And as he talked with others, he discovered 
that several of them had put their trust in Christ as Savior as a result of reading the literature. What did it take to reach these people with the gospel? It wasn't health or strength or the ability to speak the language. It wasn't a persuasive talk. I simply took a trip to the bathroom. Doug Nichols could have done nothing and let the man's suffering continue. But he intervened and he did something, however small, that ended up having larger implications. If you and I take steps just towards being more caring for other people in our circles of relationship and in our community, we'll all end up in a better place. The Apostle Paul, Doug Nichols, they weren't healthy, they weren't strong, but God's strength is power in weakness. And God gives us grace to endure weakness, hardship, adversity, illness, and even death. Because when we are weak, then the power of God can be demonstrated in and through us. I hate to let any of you down, but you're all inadequate. And if you don't think so, just ask someone who knows you well. They'll tell you. And yet we can praise the Lord who made us all this way because God's got enough adequacy and power and strength for you and for me and for all who are willing to humble themselves before God and ask for it. So go ahead and ask because God's grace is sufficient for you. God's grace is sufficient for you. For the Lord's power is made perfect in our weakness. Let's pray. God, there are times when we really don't want any of these thorns in our flesh that we're bearing. We don't want the physical pain. We don't want the suffering. We don't want the hardship. Lord, many of us don't even want to die, even though we know that's going to happen for all of us. But God, I pray that you would help us this morning to understand that what truly matters in life is who we go through it with. And Lord, we want to walk through this life with Jesus at our side. We are inadequate. We are weak. We are broken. God, we need your grace. We need your strength. So Lord, help us to humble ourselves, to acknowledge we don't have all the answers in life to the problems in our individual life. We don't have the answers to the larger problems that afflict our country and the world. But God, we want to live as your people. And we want to share the love and the grace and mercy that you share with us. We want to share it with others. We want to be instruments of your kingdom, no matter what else is taking place around us. 
God, we want to be your peculiar people. And so, Lord, we invite you to come even closer to us and help us to draw nearer to you and to walk with you every day of our life until we walk with you from this life into the life to come. In Jesus' name, we humbly pray. Amen.